wanna welcome all of you, all of our campuses to the fourth and final week of our series entitled Not Alone. Come on, come on, let's just welcome every single one of you guys. South Shore, Gulf Coast, Baton Rouge, those that join us each week on Facebook Live, online. Of course, each week, the St. Tammany Parish Jail and the Orleans Justice Center. You know, it's interesting as we begin this series, every year I do a series on relationships right after Easter. Uh, and it's a wonderful time because we talk about what the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about not only relationship between us and God, but also relationship between one another. How God has designed us, how God has uniquely put us together and fashioned us and, and, and how he's put strengths in us and aptitudes and all these things of how God designed us to work together. See, I really do believe this. This may sound cheesy, but I do believe that we are better together. Fact is, is that the Bible is very clear that we do need one another. I want to talk to you today about the antidote. Yes, I'm going to make some strong statements. The antidote to loneliness. I'm going to make another statement that is, I believe, a little bit of a shock statement. God hates loneliness for you and I. Let me say it again. I believe that God hates. I know that's a strong word. It's in the Bible. God hates it when you and I are lonely. And I'm going to show you in the Bible that God has a design. Listen, God has a design for your loneliness, to be able to deal with it, for your fatigue, for your frustration, for your failure. And it's found in the context of community. Now, one of the things that I love about our nation, I love the fact that each year we get together and we celebrate in July a wonderful celebration of the birth of our nation. It's a fantastic opportunity to celebrate and family and friends. We get together and there's food and there's barbecues and there's fireworks. And, and the reason why we do that, it's on the July 4th, is because we are celebrating. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating what's called the Declaration of Our What? Say it. Independence. Independence from what and from who? Does anybody know that? I'm not sure what we're doing, you know, just kind of have hot dogs and go to the lake. No, we're actually celebrating a moment where we are, where, where as a nation, the United States of America, as a nation, we declared our independence from who? Everybody say it. From, from, from England, from Great Britain, right? And so as a nation, in a sense, that was the, the birthing of our nation. So we have, our foundation as a country is based upon this concept the declaration of what? Say it again. Say it out loud. Independence. A good theme, but also a bad theme. It's good in the sense that in a moment when we as a nation over 200 years ago, we declared that we, are, we want to be a sovereign nation. We don't want to be controlled by people with a funny accent. Come on, are y'all with me or not? I'm just teasing all of our English people, but, but, but we as a nation declared declaration. Come on, say it again. Of what? Say it independence. But that concept is so deep in the fabric of our culture that we, that we, that, that, that we laud it, that we esteem that concept of independence at such a high level that it's almost, it's almost a, a deified status. That, in the, that is to say that when you are independent, you have arrived. Financially independent. You don't need anybody. You are relationally independent. You are not needy. You 
you are physically independent. That means you don't need anybody to help you. Is that a good concept or a bad concept? I think both. The fact of the matter is, is that I think it's, in a sense, can be highly anti-biblical. Because I don't believe that God's called any of us to be, quote, ultimately independent. He's actually designed us to be interdependent. He's designed life in such a way that we desperately need God. I had a conversation with this person this week, and they said, Pastor, the job that I'm in is making me so dependent upon God. It's like I need him every day. I said, what's wrong with that? I mean, you know, when you wake up each day and you have this concept in your mind that I need God, that's a good thought. It's the person that says, you know what? I got things going on. It's pretty good. I mean, after all, I mean, I just kind of, my, my life's working out pretty good. Well, I got news for everybody, including myself. God has designed us to be dependent upon him and interdependent upon one another. That a healthy life, that a satisfied life, that a, that a, that a life that is, that, that is fulfilled and fruitful as a life that is interdependent, connected to God and connected to one another. Before I was a Christian, I prided myself on the fact that, you know what, I don't need anybody, you know, and I could selectively in, invest myself in what I wanted and then divest myself from any relationship that I felt was disadvantaging me at any moment. The fact is, even as an adult, even as a Christ follower, as a Christian man, I, as a leader, I, I have to fight that, that, that tendency, what I would call that propensity or that proclivity of my human nature that wants to gravitate towards independence, where I can even make the statement myself, you know what, look, I'm fine, I don't need anybody, I mean, look, I got it, but the reality is it's anti-biblical. God's design is for us to not to both be independent, to, to be dependent on God and interdependent upon one another. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, since we all are one body in Christ, we belong. That's a radical concept. We belong. I remember as a kid, you know, we had, we had our lunches and and it was really interesting. I remember one time I had this kid, he was a, he was a lunch thief. And he would just, I don't know if his parents didn't make him lunch, I don't know, but he would take everybody's line. It wasn't me. And, 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 and I remember this one time my friend got in this fight with him because he goes, this is my lunch. This belongs to me. I never, it was a vivid thing in my mind because he was declaring, this belongs to me. Have you ever realized when you read the scripture that the Bible actually says, if you're in Christ, you belong to one another? Well, that's a radical thought, Pastor. I belong to one another. And each of us needs all the others. We do need one another. We don't realize how much we do need one another. That I can't fulfill my purpose in God without you, and you can't fulfill your purpose in God without me. That I can't become what God created me to be, watch this, without you guys in my life, without Jennifer, without my children. In other words, God has placed each one of us and uniquely fashioned us. And he put us where he put us, when he put us, and how he put us. And I need you to fulfill what God's called me to be. And you do likewise as well. Changes our perspective. It changes our paradigm. That is a, listen, that is a countercultural statement in the culture in which we live. 
It's a revolutionary statement. I'm going to give you three things about why you need me and I need you. Matter of fact, you need your neighbor. You need your friend. I want you to turn to the person right and say, I need you. Come on, just tell him. Tell him. Okay, turn to your second choice. Come on, the one on the other side. You really need me. Come on. Your second choice. They felt neglected when you looked the other way. You know what I'm talking about. I want to talk to you today about three reasons why we need one another. Number one, I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk. In other words, I need people to help me grow in every area of my life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Notice we walk in Christ, but the previous scripture in Romans 12 says we walk in Christ, but we live and we walk with one another. In other words, my spiritual life, watch this, is, content, is contingent upon Jesus Christ, but my spiritual life is called a walk. And when I walk, the Bible never gives a picture. The New Testament never gives a picture that my walk is independent of my brothers and sisters. I had a conversation with a guy one time years ago when I was in college. And I said to him, I, I was sharing Jesus with him. And I was preaching Christ. I was just sharing my testimony. And he said to me, he says, listen, he says, my faith is a highly personal faith. And I don't talk about it at all to anybody. Because I just saying, are you a Christian? And I said, well, that's interesting. You know, the Bible talks about that we have a relationship with Christ. But nowhere in the New Testament is our relationship with Christ private. It's personal, but not private. How can you have the concept, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it what? Say it. Shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. How can you have a light that's shining that's, oh, that's my faith? It's personal. Well, it may be personal, but it's not private. If I turn the lights on, guess what? Everybody's going to see it. And the fact is, is that when we become believers in Jesus, we begin to walk with God. My walk is not just unto myself, and my walk is with one another. The antidote to loneliness in our culture is, listen, it's relationship with God, but it's relationship with one another. Community, community is the antidote for loneliness. Well, pastor, what's wrong with walking alone? I mean, after all, I want to live alone. I mean, I've got God. I mean, isn't that enough? Well, guess what? Adam had God, but it wasn't enough. Matter of fact, God had animals, but he said he wanted us. Well, Pastor, what's wrong with me walking alone? It's unbiblical. Pastor Steve, what's wrong with me? Just, I mean, I got Jesus and, and Pastor Steve, I go to a coffee shop and I read the book of Revelation every day. It's just, well, that's the problem. First of all, there's other parts of the Bible. And I believe in the book of Revelation. I've taught through it on a weekend, okay? But, I mean, you meet weird Christians. Can I just kind of push it out a little bit? Is that all right? I mean, just weird people. I mean, their hair turns different color. It's just weird. But the reason why they're weird is because they're alone. Because if you get around people and you act weird, they're going to tell you. You're just kind of weird. <laughs> I had a person tell me this one time, Pastor, you know, I did the little small group thing. I know you go to church, you can't got to be in a small group. So I went to a small group. Everybody was weird there. I said, well, this is not Cuba. Go to another one. 
They went to another one. And I said, well, Pastor, we went to another small group, and they were kind of weird. And they took three once. I said, let me just tell you something. I just want to help you. I said, this respectful. I know I'm a pastor. I know I'm, a, I know I'm supposed to be kind and all that stuff. But, but every one of those small groups, you said there's weird people. There's only one common denominator in each one of those groups. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be that you're struggling with something and that you are projecting on everybody else actually the issue that you're dealing with? We all do that, don't we? Everybody say, I need one another. Come on, say it. I need, I need. Three reasons walking with others is important. Number one, it provides safety. When you walk with others, you're safer. I never forget, one time I was in a different country and I was in a dark alley going to a restaurant and I was by myself. I had a friend of mine and I began to think about myself. Wait, time out, time out. This is dangerous. I mean, you know, when you walk alone, listen, whether it's a dark alley or you walk alone in life, I'm not talking about just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, when you walk alone, it's dangerous. There's great safety when you walk with one another. Number two, it's supportive. It keeps you from giving up. When you walk with other people, it keeps you going. Listen, when, when, when times get tough, when life gets tough, when you walk with others, it keeps you going. Now, I'm, I'm an, I exercise. I'm not a marathoner person. I don't know if that's even a marathoner. But, 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 but I hear, I hear at mile marker 20, you hit that thing and you really want to give up. It's that wall. And I had a friend of mine say, Pastor, you know what? I was running this marathon, and I hit that wall. The only reason why I didn't quit is because there was somebody next to me. I thought I was in better shape. They kept going. I thought, man, I'm going to bust through this too. How I many you know, right when you get ready to give up, if you see somebody else not giving up, it just kind of helps you go on. Something about the support that relationships provide. Why do I need to walk with one another? Number one, it provides safety. Number two, it provides support. It keeps you going. The Zambian proverb says this. Zambia is a, a country in Africa. It says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. In other words, it helps you. It helps you to do what God calls you to do. It, it helps you to keep going. I think about in my life. I think about different pastors and different leaders and different people in my life that the things that they've gone through, the personal crisis, the things that they've experienced. And, 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 and there's, there's something, that, don't, don't miss this. There's something about drawing strength. There's something about drawing strength from the testimonies of those that you know that have gone through similar things and they've not thrown in the towel. Provides support. It provides strength. Third reasons why it's better to walk together. It's smarter. You learn a whole lot more when you're with people in a room. Let me tell you a scary thought. You guys ready for this? I want everybody to hear this on all of our campuses. Here's a scary thought. When you are the smartest person in the room, when you become the reference point for IQ and you're like, oh my gosh, when you're like setting the mean or the mean, I'm telling you, look what the book of Proverbs says. Here, here's what it says. It says, only fools would trust what they think alone, what they alone think. In other words, in life, in life, there's a certain sobriety that comes when you recognize that you and I, like the apostle Paul says, we all see through a glass darkly. In other words, we need other people, of course God, but we need other people to help us navigate in life. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of wisdom, a sign of wisdom. I, I love the fact of the different men that God has placed around me and our, and our lead team, great men, 
brilliant men, smart men. I understand my role. I understand that what God's called me to do. I understand that, but I also understand what God has called them to do. And I'm so grateful for the wisdom that they bring. I'm so grateful for the, for the insights and the perspectives they bring. It actually brings me confidence. It should bring all of you confidence that, 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 that I'm not just waking up each day thinking, this is what we should do. I don't care. No, I'm not discounting this. It's like, okay, here's what I'm sensing. What do you guys think? What do you sense? Do you feel that God, in other words, there is safety in the multitude of counselors? Safety there. It's risky to be alone. Well, Pastor, you understand, I was in a relationship with somebody, I had friends, and, or I was in a small group and I got hurt, and so it's risky to get hurt again. It's more risky to stay isolated. There's risk on both sides, isn't that right? Fact of the matter is when we walk, we should not walk alone. Have you ever noticed that people walk at different paces when they walk? Maybe you're married and you're at the lakefront with somebody and your your husband or your wife and and maybe you're with some other friends or other couples or maybe you're single and you're walking. Isn't it interesting how people walk at different paces? Sometimes you're walking with somebody and they walk a little bit faster and and, and sometimes you're walking and you you walk a little bit slower and, 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 and you want to walk with them because you understand the value is not just the walking and the exercise attached to it, but it's also the fact that you're building interpersonal relationships with that person. So in other words, sometimes the person with you has got to speed up a little bit. Sometimes you've got to back down a little bit. In other words, in other words, when you walk with people, there's a little bit of a give and take in that relationship. In other words, relationships... Let me say it this way. Relationships are a learned sport. Nobody does relationships well just naturally without some learned skill attached to it. You sharpen it. You sharpen it because we're naturally selfish. We naturally want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. It's interesting that I was single as a Christian from 19 to 26 and and, uh, and it's, it's interesting. You get, you, get, you get in this rut, don't you? As a singer, you just get in this rut. You go when you want, where you want, you eat what you want, you do what you want. And then I got married, and it's like, oh, gosh, I got it. Okay, so, okay. Okay, here's a new thought. Where would you like to go? <laughs> Not that I really care. No, I'm just joking. That, I just, because it's right. Yeah, I'm trying to keep everybody awake. I'm just kind of, of course I do. Y- 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 y'all have heard so, so. <laughs> this is just so funny. It's so controlling, though. And so it's funny. So, so I, I, my, early in my marriage, you know, we, my wife and I, we loved Houston's and, and met her, you know, and, 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 so, and so we'd go, go across the lake. So, so she goes, Steve, stop. I said, what do you mean stop? Stop negotiating. I said, what do you mean? She goes, because I'd be on the bridge. I look, why don't we do hickory burger? Let's split it. Why don't you get the chicken, sal- get the salad? What? She goes, can I get what I want? I said, yes, I'm giving you many options, right? <laughs> Are y'all with me? Don't look at me so holy, guys. You know you cut deals. High-level negotiation. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you walk, not, not everybody you walk with is walking the same pace. You got to learn. You got to learn to yield. It's interesting when, when, when God created Adam and, and then he looked at Adam, he says, it's not good. Matter of fact, I'll read it again. Genesis chapter two, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I don't think this relates just to marriage. 
I believe it's a, I believe, listen, I believe that this is a statement that God like, it's a statement that transcends every generation. It transcends every, it's, 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 it transcends every environment. It's not good for mankind to live alone. Meaning that we have to have one another. We need God, absolutely, but we need one another. We need God's people. It's interesting when you begin to think about, you begin to think about creation and how God put Adam and Eve together and they begin to walk and then the development of mankind and, and, and how societies begin to form and, 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 and how God, God ordained, listen, God ordained the concept of of, of physical family. I want to introduce this thought. Maybe this is a new thought to some people, but there's actually, there's actually our physical family. I want everybody to hear this. There's our physical family, but then God has this concept in the Bible also of our spiritual family. So you have your physical family, right? Where you came from, your biological parents, your mom and your dad. And, and I know that there's some brokenness sometimes and there's some shrapnel there, but, but nonetheless, there was a man and a woman that, 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 that God, that, that, that you, 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 you had some level of identification with some group at some point in time, all right? So there's a physical, everybody say physical. Now stay with me, this is important. But there's also in the Bible, this is not my concept, there's also God's concept where he talks about a spiritual family. Now, I want everybody to hear me. A spiritual family, another concept for this God's spiritual family is his church. And that's a concept in the Bible. God's church, God's people, all right? So it's a natural family and a spiritual family. Now, now this is why this is important. You're going to have this natural family, all right, for a certain amount of time. But how I many you know you're going to have your spiritual family throughout eternity? Does that make sense? Now, that's very important. We believe in honoring. My parents come to this church. I, we believe in honoring uh, uh, our natural family. But we also understand that there's another family that is offered to you. It's your spiritual. doesn't mean you stop being in a natural family, but you have a spiritual family. The reason why this is important, we better learn to get along with our spiritual family. Let me give you another concept. I tell you when it's really cool is when your natural family and your spiritual family are together. That's really cool. Matter, matter of fact, I, I did a wedding on Friday. I don't get to do weddings as much as I used to because of speaking and preaching all weekend. And, but, but our founding elder, uh, Dr. Greg Mule, his son was mayor. I said, you know, and so he's been with us from the very beginning and, 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 and was the one that called me over to start the church. And so we, I did the wedding for Gregory. And, and, and it was so cool that Greg's, Greg, Dr. Greg's mom was there, Miss Merle. That's one generation. And Dr. Greg's there. That's another generation. And Gregory, and then Gregory's uh, sisters were there. And they've got some children. That's four generations. And they all come to the church. Now, here's what's so cool about it is that when our natural family gets born again and our natural family become our spiritual family, and then we can do life together in this life and in the next life. How many you know that, I believe, is God's best? That's God's best. It's not always the case, but I believe it's God's best. That's what we need to believe for. We need to believe for our kids to get saved. We need to believe that our parents can come to Christ and, 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 and we need to walk together. Man, that's so much to say. Think about it. Think about relationships. They're God's safety net. His family, his church. Notice Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together 
Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. It's a habit of coming together, the body of Christ, when we come together. Now, I'm going to make a couple statements. I want everybody at all of our campuses to hear what I'm about to say. Okay, yes, I believe in weekend attendance. Saturday night, we have church at five o'clock at all of our campuses, and uh, uh, not Baton Rouge yet, but our Metairie campus, Gulf Coast campus here at Little Creek, and Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11.30, and we need to come to the house of God. We need to be with one another, something about, but this is a celebration. I want everybody to hear me. It is very difficult to get to know people and a large celebration with thousands of people. That's why I think it is so important that we're also connected to a small group. And the reason why, let me tell you the reason why. The reason why is you don't walk with thousands of people. You walk for three, four, or five, or six, or ten. Is that what, are you with me? People told me this before, you know, man, this person got sick. They were the church. Nobody called them. Here's what my point is. Did anybody know? Were they aware of that? And are they walking with anybody? How would we know? You get sick and you're in a small group, man. They got more people bringing casseroles. I mean, you, you know, you got, you're in a hospital. You can't eat. They got more food. You can't, you just got to look at it because you're in relationship. Everybody say, we need one another. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Yes, community, the, the, the body of Christ, a spiritual factor, it is God's antidote to loneliness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 26. Watch what the Bible says. When you gather for worship, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a, 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 a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Look at, look at the next verse here, verse 30. Take your turn. No one person taking over. That's good. That, that's very good for small groups, okay? Y'all will all learn from each other. All right, let's talk about this for a moment. This is Paul the Apostle writing to the church at Corinth. Is this scripture really practical on a Sunday morning? Let's just be honest. No, this is practical in a small group. By the way, in the New Testament, there was two groups. There was a large group meeting. Everyone say large group. The, apostle, the apostles would teach. It's what's called Solomon's portico right there by the temple. There would be thousands of Christians that would come. So, Pastor, how did they preach? And they didn't have a sound system. Ask George Whitfield in the 1800s in England and or 1700s when he preached to thousands of people. They were able to do it. And people were able to hear the way that they built, built or the way they had environments and, and voice reflection. So there was always large group meetings with God's people. But the Bible also says the apostles and the people met from house to house. So there was a large group and there was small group. We will always value the large celebration where, 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 where the speaker, the pastor, the preacher teaches the word and inspires large group. But don't neglect the other. So important to have both in our lives. Number two, I need people to work with me. We need people to walk with us, but we also need people to work with us. Listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians 2 verse 10. God made us to do good works which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Let me just say this. I want everybody to hear me. Do you know that God has good works for you to do? Watch this, that God planned for you to do good, good works even before you were born. Plan it in advance. When did he plan it? You think it's when a baby showed up at a hospital? Uh-oh, we better get Jesus. Come on, let's all get this guy's plan. Let's just let's write something down. Quick, 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 quick. Not on loose leaf. We've got a computer now. Write it down. 
No, God's got a destiny for your life. God's got a plan for your life. God's got, God's got an assignment for your life. But here's the cool thing. It's not unlocked on your own. God uses other people to help unlock it. God uses people that are easy to get along with. God uses people that are tough to get along with. God uses people that you like. God uses people that you don't like. God uses people in our lives to help us bring out. And what happens is we learn to, listen, I heard a friend of mine say, we can't go along in life unless we learn to get along in life. We got to get along. I had a pastor say this one time. It's the worst statement I ever heard. He goes, man, I like God and I like the Bible. It's just the people I pastor I have a problem with. I thought, you got a problem. Because one of the things that I've learned is that God's given me an assignment, but my assignment is attached to all of you. Guess what? Your assignment is attached to all of us as well. Well, you think, I would know I work with a computer and, and I don't have anybody else. Well, let me tell you, that thing gets broken. You're going to call somebody in India to fix it. That was funny. I don't care if you laughed or not. Are, are y'all with me? fact is, is that we have a purpose in God, but it takes more than one to fulfill that purpose. Life, I want to say a couple more radical statements. Stay with me. This is countercultural, all right? Life is practice for eternity. That's what it is. You're practicing. You're practicing. Do you realize when you get to heaven, I want everyone to hear me. This is so much on a weekend, but I want you to just grapple with this. When you get to heaven, do you guys realize that we're not going to be flying around on clouds looking like fat Gerber babies eating grapes? Do you know that we're going to have an assignment in heaven? Do you know, listen, you do not get to heaven based upon works, but what you do for God on this earth will determine what you do for eternity. You are saved by the blood of Christ. You are saved by faith in Christ, in his work. You trust Christ. But when you get to heaven, what you do in heaven is based upon, watch this, watch this, watch this, what you did for God down here. That's in the Bible. So how many of you know, I better get to, listen, I better learn how to figure this thing out called life and do life with one another. And I need to learn how to, listen, I am practicing for eternity. Do you know what's going to happen when we get to heaven? Here's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, some people are going to look at you and go, how did you make it? And this is what you're going to say. I was thinking the same thing about you. you do you realize that? I mean, heaven, heaven is going to be, it's going to be a revelation, man. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says this, two people are better than one. That's in the Bible. Because they can get more done by working together. That's in the Bible. Got to learn to get together. We got to learn to work together. You know, the, the, the myth. I heard somebody get up there one time, and he was doing the speech, and I love Mother Teresa. I've read all about her, and, and, and I call it a myth, though. They had Mother Teresa going to Calcutta by herself doing these great works. No, 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 no. They had what's called many sisters that were with her that she was leading, and they were all helping the people in the streets of Calcutta. Are y'all with me? No person, including Jesus, can accomplish his assignment without some people around him. We all need, as everybody say, we need one another. All right, let me give you the last point. We'll close. Anybody learn anything today? Come on. Are y'all learning anything? 
Here we go. Number three, I need others. Oh, man, this is a prelude to next week's teaching. This is a prelude to what I'm going to be teaching over the next six weeks. I'm so fired up. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm just going to whet your appetite about what we're going to be going in depth over the next six weeks. Stay with me for the next five minutes, all right? Watch this. Why do we need one another, pastor? I need others to watch out for me. So I need others to walk with me. I need others to work with me. You and this is, I'm speaking on your behalf, all right? This is not just autobiographically. I'm speaking as a corporate voice here, all right? But I, don't miss this. This is a prelude into next week's series, all right? I've never been more fired up about a series as we go into the summer than this series. I'm telling you, it's going to equip you with what the Bible says about this topic. I need others to watch. Everybody say this word, say it, say it. Watch out for me. Now stay with me, five minutes. Why is this important? Why, pastor? Philippians chapter two, verse four says, look out for one another's interests, not just for yourselves. I wrote this down. I need people who will defend me. You, need, you and I need people who will protect us, defend us, and stand up for us and help us stay on track, who will warn us. I know that's a countercultural statement in America because it's all about us and our dream and what's best for us. But one of the things I found out, biblically speaking, that part of my destiny is, listen, watching out for you, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, to watch out for you, to warn you, to warn you of what? Pastor, man, this is so heavy. You, you guys know, you, you guys know this summer Many of you will go on vacation. Not everybody, but many of you will. And one of the things you do is you'll walk over to your neighbor and you'll say to your neighbor, here's what you'll say. Hey, listen. And you kind of say it low because you don't want everybody to hear. Stay with me. You'll say, listen, I'm going to be going out of town next week. Would you mind just, just kind of keeping an eye out? I want you, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of, I don't know, just kind of watching over my stuff. Would you, is, is that Okay. You, by the way, you know when you go in the neighborhood and you see neighborhood what signs? Watch signs. What is the neighborhood watch? Basically, what you're saying is you're asking the neighbors, watch this, we're all going to collectively come together because we're going to watch out over every people, over everybody's what? Everybody's stuff. Can you say it with me? Everybody's what? Say it. Stuff, all right? So, so you're asking your neighbor to watch over your stuff. Here's my question. Do you have anybody watching over your soul? We put all the emphasis on stuff. How about soul? Are you watching over anybody's soul? Is anybody watching over your soul? Why? Listen, after 911, we have put, rightly so, as Americans, tremendous emphasis on terrorist activity, both in our nation and outside of our nation. All right? Trying to deal with the clustering of, of whether it's Al Qaeda or whether it's ISIS or all. So, so there's been a, a heightened thing particularly the last 20 years, uh, over, over really at a heightened level and in a very acute fashion to discern, okay, uh, terrorist activity. My point is, are we spiritually putting as much emphasis on evaluating the true enemy and his name is the devil? Do we recognize his strategy? Do we understand what he is attempting to do in our lives, in people's lives close to us? How he's, how he's attempting to, sh to, 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 to. Let, let me tell you what Jesus said of the devil himself. Man, I'm stepping into my next week's message. Jesus himself said his mission statement, the, the message of Christ, his mission, you know, in business, 
What is your purpose? What Jesus said, my mission is to give you life and life more abundantly. But let me tell you the mission statement of the devil. It's to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. My question is, is anybody in your life watching out over you that that doesn't happen? Y'all got me fired up. I started preaching, okay? Because this is a very, this is a sober thing to value. Not to be scared of, but to be sober. Why? Because we have authority over the end, but we've got to watch. We all have blind spots. You don't know if your taillight is out yourself. You got somebody, hey! I had a guy tell me once, hey! Coming up behind me like, what's up? The guy's yelling, hey! I'm like, what? He goes, your gas cap's open. Your, your thing's open. I'm like, Thank God that's it. You know, the guy was, I think he's going to run me. I thought it was a little road rage spirit hitting me, this guy. I appreciate his intensity to make sure my gas cap was, you know, that I, I didn't even think gas going to start coming out of my car. I don't know. <laughs> you have anybody in your life that comes up behind you? Hey! You haven't been to church in a while. Hey! I notice you're doing things that are just kind of getting you off track. Hey! 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 Are you with me? Everybody needs some hey friends in their life. Are y'all with me? This is good. I'm making this up right as I'm up here. It's, I'm giving it right as I'm getting it from God. Pastor Doug Armin was one of those guys. Getting ready to go to the French Quarter. Going to go do, what, I, what was I doing in the French Quarter? Buying trinkets? No, I was getting drunk, stoned, messed up. Before I was a Christian, and then I became a Christian, 19 years old. And I had Doug, hey! 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 Y'all never going to forget this message, by the way. You need some hey friends in your life. We're going to watch out over your soul, to walk with you, and to warn you. Oh, man. He got it. Woo! He got it. Let me give you this scripture. You'll never forget this message, I'm telling you. Let me give you this last scripture. Here it is, Ecclesiastes. Here it is. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. Do the verse 10, all right? All right, here it goes. If one person falls... You got another person there to reach out. But if someone who falls, is nobody's there looking at their gas cap, if there's nobody there going, come on, say it, one, two, three, hey! Woo, this is good. You need people in your life to walk with you, to work with you, and to lovingly warn you. But the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but God wants to bring you life. I want everybody to stand. Come on, let's stand. I get to do this again. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. <clears throat> if you're in this place, you do not know Christ. You're not sure about your relationship with Jesus. We want to pray for you. We also want to pray for you every week here at Church of the King, all of our campuses, South Shore Campus, Gulf Coast Campus, Baton Rouge, all the prisons and jails that we're in. We have people that are there to pray with you. Lord, we thank you that you're teaching us the value of, yes, being dependent upon you, but on one another, walking. We need the body of Christ. 
We don't want to be an isolated Lone Ranger. Jesus, I pray the blessing of God upon your people. As they go forth this day, God, may there be a, a holy sobriety that comes into our lives that we understand the value and the need for covenant relationships for men and women in our lives to love us, to walk with us, to worship with us, to work side by side with us, and yes, if need be, to warn us. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people, over every man, over every woman, every boy, every girl. May the favor of Almighty God be upon your life this day. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? We love you guys. You don't want to miss next week. We'll see you.